Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and we're going to talk some more about heaven. So let's get our Bibles out. And if you don't have your Bible, your Bible app, yeah, just remember these and maybe write them down, take some notes. And so you'll know that I'm not going by opinion. I want to give you as much scripture as possible. And I'm going to start in Luke chapter 2. Now, at the time I'm recording this, it's December 14th. We're within a couple of weeks of Christmas. And so usually people will have an Advent devotional or a Christmas devotional, and I can't think of a better one than starting off with this. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, you are seeing some shepherds. They're down in a field, and they're puttering about with the sheep. It's dark, pitch black, beautiful sky. Maybe this countryside out of the complete darkness as the sheep are settled in is punctuated by some fires and some of the shepherds can see other ones at the distance. For the most part, they are solo, probably football fields away from other ones. The sky splits open with light. You might call it what the Hebrew uh, term is, the Shekinah, the heavenly glory. It splits apart, and now think about this. You're used to pitch black and maybe looking at the stars, uh, noticing the constellations, being quiet in order to keep your livestock quiet. And suddenly there's this monstrous light that comes out, shines a field. Could you imagine? They're terrified. Uh, one translation says they were sore afraid. I think that's a pretty good description of it. Uh, but terrified. And the host of heaven. Now that term that you will see in the English and also within the Greek comes over from the Hebrew and host means army. So they looked up and saw a group of angels, a grouping that reminded them of an army, and that's the best description, an army of angels looking down and saying this, obviously, don't be terrified, don't be afraid, because what is being brought to you is good tidings. See, in a lot of the, the Jewish uh, history or in the teachings, that the sight of an angel was a terrible thing, you would die. Coming, a death angel would, would bring you a death notice. No, 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 no. We're bringing you good tidings, not bad tidings, good tidings of great what? Joy, great joy, which shall be available to all people. So you go right down the road there to a little town, which uh, archaeologists and historians would say is a town of about, at that time in the first century, about 90 people. Bethlehem, house of bread. Bethlehem, little town, city of David. And there will be the Messiah. You've been waiting for him for ages, and here's the answer. And you, shepherds, are the first ones now. I want you to go and see the answer. What did the angel say? This is a joyful statement. And so this opens up this whole idea. Out of heaven is being brought joy down to earth. So a resident of heaven is joy. It's a deep-seated happiness, is laughter. In Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus sees the faithful servants there, and he, uh, he's given the parable about the faithful servants, and at the end of this parable, he's equating this to heaven. Servants, you've been faithful, and here's your reward. 
enter into the joy of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? The joy of the Lord, the happiness of the Lord. He could have named the real estate anything. Enter into the farm fields of your master. Enter into the next work level of your master. But he says, no, no, no. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So it's all over the place. Now, here's what got it started. In Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 9, it's looking at this, and it says, Jesus is, we, we just need you to know, this is the whole theme of the book of Hebrews. Jesus is better. He's better than the angels, better than any man, better than Adam, better than the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Better. He's better. Now, because he is designated this way, he is the, the one, the Messiah, the anointed one. God has anointed him with the oil of gladness. That's what one translation says, the oil of gladness which could be translated the oil of joy, the oil of celebration. And I got seeing that and I said, it's saying this, there's happiness about all of this. Then I look in John chapter 15 and verse 11, and, John, and, and Jesus says this, in all those things, you know, we do have a song says, a man of sorrows and equated with grief. But during that time when that persecution has come, he's got this joy that's going about and people are drawn to him. If he's morbid, we wouldn't see the children in the gospels running to him and sitting with him and being with him. He's one of great joy. And he says this, my desire, John chapter 15, verse 11, is that my joy may be in you. Luke chapter 10, verse 21, and he rejoiced greatly. We see joy emanating from him. Now, he was sorrowful in the spirit at times when he realized the end was going to come. But the message that he's bringing was one of great joy, and people responded in joy as well. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, this is one of the fuels that keeps our motor running, so to speak, if I'm going to use an allegory in the Christian life. The joy, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, at that time, think about it. Nehemiah, the leader, had commissioned to go back and restore the walls of Jerusalem so this might be one more, a safe community to worship the Lord in the temple. Ezra had earlier been uh, commissioned by the same king to go and work on the temple restoration but yet the city was still vulnerable. And here comes Nehemiah in there. Well, the enemies, the non-believing enemies, the political and spiritual enemies don't want this. They try to connive them. They try to spy on them. They try to openly intimidate them. They try to attack them. And in all this, Nehemiah keeps brushing it aside and tells the people, keep heart, don't worry. Look, the strength that we have is not a higher wall. It's not longer shooting arrows. It's not being able to sneak up and attack them. What is our strength? The joy of the Lord. You can imagine how the enemies were so puzzled by this group being so happy. Now, in Nehemiah 3, I find this very fascinating. Different families took different sections of the wall and were working on them. Even one man's daughters helped out as they were putting the wall together. Was there celebration and singing along with the awareness? I believe so. I really do believe so. Because the joy and, oh, there was a great celebration when the wall was finished. That gives us an idea of heaven. And in those great, wonderful uh, uh, residences that we find here, because in John 14, Jesus says, in my Father's house are many residences, many 
dwelling places, many suites, S-U-I-T-E-S, that are there. And they're waiting for you. And when uh, I have completed them, I'm going to come and bring you. And then you're going to be with me as well. So when they're there, it's great joy. Psalm 104, verse 31. Then God rejoices in his works. He's, he's happy with what has been made. From the animal kingdom to the plant kingdom to the heavenly kingdom uh, of, uh, the, the when I say that, the outer space, uh, the the, the brilliance of the stars and the planets and the rhythm and the uh, sequences of all of these things and how mankind is on earth. Then the curse came, then the fall came, and that interrupted a beautiful uh, time that the Lord had made in, in his creation. He rejoiced at that, and he'll rejoice once again as all this comes together at the very end times. And right now, in the presence of the Lord, in the, in the, I would say the present heaven, there's great joy and rest. And then when the celebration begins, even more so, is when Second Peter chapter three says that the current heaven and current earth will be totally dismantled, taken down, not just renovated or improved, but completely done over. And the residence will be the new earth for the Christians. And this is interesting. When a person dies, like Luke 16, when the story of Lazarus, he's died, he's taken up. He's taken up to God to be where God is. Now listen to this. In Revelation 21 and verse 3, God says, I will come down and I will dwell with man. I will be where man is. And you go, what is that about? Just like in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when man is created, God walked with man and woman and he was with them on earth. That will be restored. Paradise will be restored that way, and there will be great, great joy. Here's the key. Psalm 16, verse 11. One translation says this, In your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Another translation, in using that same Hebrew passage, says this with no distortion to the translation, says this, Lord, in your presence, I'm completely happy. I'm completely happy. Happy. Why? Well, we've talked about this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Revelation chapter 19. There'll be feasting. There'll be eating. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. There'll be tons of friends. Revelation 7, 9. They're from all tribes and nations celebrating the Lord. Couldn't even count them. And they'll be your friends. And you will be known. And you will go up to this great place of great joy and be able, Revelation chapter 6, to see God face to face and talk with him, ask him questions, he'll respond to you, and find that joy and comfort. Um, I believe it's going to be John 17. Uh, you can check me on the verse. I think it's verse 24. And Jesus says, Oh, Father, I look to the time when, my, when, when the children, the Christians, will be with me, and I can show them and share my glory. Jesus is excited about that. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16, God says, I'm not ashamed to be called your God. Proud to be called your God. And this is an amazing truth. I, we will be completely, completely happy in heaven. There's happiness. There's joy. There's family reunions. You'll be you. You'll have a resurrected body. I make all things new, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5. I make all things new. And uh, it, it just tells you how many things 
will be so amazing in heaven. They are new, but you are new. 1 Corinthians 15 is a very powerful place. 1 Corinthians 15, and it says, we will all be changed. And I want you to think about that. We're going to talk some more. Take these scriptures and use them. This is Brad as we talk about heaven. Boy, I hope you really can take these scriptures and be encouraged. If you've lost loved ones or maybe there is an injury or a hurt in your life, and right now this is on your mind about heaven, these might be an encouragement. I'm with Zulon International Bible Institute. You can find us at Zulon.org, X-U-L-O-N, X-U-L-O-N, Zulon with an X, Zulon.org. And uh, we reach out to international students in teaching the scriptures and such. And I want you to be able to be encouraged and in that. And if you want to, go take a look at our page and see the work that we're doing there in reaching others and tuition-free education for students all over the world, both in the United States and beyond. And so thank you so much. This is Brad Zock. I'll get going here and we'll talk again next podcast. We'll talk some more about heaven. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.